Hi guys, welcome back to hashtag life of a surveyor. And this is another personal reflections episode. So the first one got quite a bit of bandwidth. I quite enjoyed doing it. And I think there was a lot of good feedback on that. So thank you all for that. Um, and I'm assuming everyone wants me to do more. So um, <laughs> here it is, here's another one. But um, yeah, I mean, again, sorry, it's taken a while for me to get another episode out there. It's just been busy and I've just been a bit lazy, really, just taking some time out just for myself. So yeah, sorry, it's taken a while, but hey, here we are. Here's another episode and it's going to be a corker and it's going to be all about having the drive. Now, if you thought this would be one of those motivational podcasts where I'll be like, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that, you've got to be in it to win it and all that bollocks. Well, guess what? It's not. It's actually about driving and cars. So to say the least, I love cars. I've had a fascination with cars ever since I've been young. I have had loads of toys which were car related or driving related. When I was a kid, I used to have a steering wheel, which was my absolute favourite. And I used to sit in the car with my dad while we were driving and trying to mimic him and try and drive and preempt where the turns are and how much to turn and stuff like that. So, yeah, I've been sort of driving since I was about three years old. But uh, <laughs> no, it, it, it's been great. And, you know, just sort of along that line with dad, you know, I used to go to motor shows with him and, you know, oh, oh, a little weekend trips to the local car showroom. So we're never going to buy a car, but we just go there to take a look at the cars, look at the new models, sit inside them, I pretend to drive them. And dad was just busy sort of pretending he's going to buy it so I could sit in the cars and stuff. But yeah, you know, it was great. So, you know, from a young age, I have had a lot of interaction with cars and stuff. And you know what? If you know me, you know that I like my cars. <laughs> be it, in a, you know, if you know me on a professional level or a personal level, you know, my cars will be a big part of my life and my role. And even with work, you know, I like to have nice cars. So sometimes when I rock up to sites and they see my cars, it's like, whoa, you get paid way too much. And trust me, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if everyone says that, but trust me, I don't. I just like to spend my money on cars rather than paying off my mortgage. But hey, that's another podcast for another day. But yeah, without further ado, let's get stuck into this podcast so you can hear all about it. Like I said, I've been sort of in inverted commas driving. Uh, since I was a little boy, you know, I've been driving since I was quite young and I kind of have my neighbour to thank for that. Um, he used to put, sit me on his lap and um, let me drive his car, steer it and stuff up and down our alleyway and make sure I'd drive straight because there were two houses in between. So if I'd gone a bit wonky, I'd crash into either my house or his house. So that was sort of my first go at driving. But, you know, as well as that, whenever I was in the car with my dad, next door neighbour, They'd always let me change the gears so I'd get used to sort of matching the revs to the gears and getting it right. And, you know, for a four or five year old boy, that's like, wow, you let me do that. You trust me with that. But obviously, you know, you don't think about biting points and all that at that point. And I didn't even know what clutch was. So it's like, ooh, the gears change. Um, but yeah, you know, it sort of started getting involved with learning how to drive at a very young age. And then I couldn't wait till my 16th, 17th birthday. Or was it 17 you get to drive in <laughs> so yeah i couldn't couldn't wait to get my provisional license got that through straight away as soon as i was legally permitted to apply for it and got myself booked in to to to, to learn how to drive with the local driving instructor and you know you, you're all at that sort of age i know i was you know when i was in school we're all at that sort of age we're like yeah i'm gonna get my license first i'm gonna get my license first and obviously it depends on when your birthday is in the year you know, you're not gonna be the first one in, school to get your license if you're the youngest in the class that's never going to happen even if you're you know the best driver in the world but yeah you know it was, it was almost like a little race to, to get your license which is great for me i think it was my uh, driving instructor that really made it an experience learning how to drive so my instructor at the time was called tony lovely irish dude full of character really entertaining guy and he, he he came along in and I, I didn't know what car i would get to drive when i when i booked the um driving instruction through their office so i had no idea what car it would be all i knew it would be a manual small ha hatchback usually and you know on the day of my lesson car rocks up and it's a baby blue ford fiesta <laughs> driven by this chap tony 
who looks looked like he, oh, he's always he always looked like he was at the Beatles or something, you know, that hairdo and it, he was he was great. And um, yeah, he just he just made it sort of an experience. Like, he had so many stories to tell while I was driving. I think I spent more time listening to him and his stories than actually physically driving the car and learning how to drive. So you know, I must have spent at least three four lessons just listening to him chat shit, which obviously wasn't great, but. Part and parcel of learning how to drive. Obviously, while I was um, learning how to drive, I tried to pass my theory test. And for those of you who know me, I absolutely hate exams. And you probably heard that from when I was learning to uh, learning when I was sitting my APC. Absolutely hate the theory part. I hate revising. I hate sitting exams. I hate assessments and stuff like that. So for me, the theory test it wasn't hard. I knew how to drive and I knew what to look out for. But it's just the pressure of assessments and exams and stuff. I think that got to me a bit. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not, not going to flower it up and lie. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I failed my theory test five times. Now, for someone who loves cars so much and has sort of grown up learning about, about cars and being on the road and stuff like that, and had an interest in, you know, the highway code. Well, not an interest in highway code. Who the hell reads that anyway? Apart from when you're doing your theory test. But, um, you know, you kind of know the rules of the road and stuff when you're out and about your dad or your mom or whoever on the road so you do have an understanding of how, what you need to do and how to drive safely and stuff but it's like with every examination you need to tell them what they want to hear not what you're going to do in reality so <laughs> yeah no I, I failed the um i failed the theory test five times before finally um get get passing it uh which was great when i eventually did it but yeah it was you know you'd go home and uh, your mum and dad like did you pass no next time did you pass no next time you failed again haven't you yeah <laughs> but um, yeah you know when i did pass it like, oh thank god thought you'd never drive but uh, <laughs> yeah no that that was um probably one of the lowest moments in my life where i couldn't pass my theory test after the third time I'm just like what the fuck is going on i'm not destined to drive but uh, yeah, we got there in the end. <laughs> so yeah, no, back 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 to Tony and the uh, baby blue Ford Fiesta. So yeah, we sort of started off nice and slow, quite residential roads, just sort of learning that where the biting point is and stuff like that, and you know, tootling along at sort of five miles an hour, and the car's barely moving, and you know, you got grandparents and tortoises walking past you, sort of walking faster than you're driving. It's like, can I actually drive properly now? Uh, you know, I want to put my foot down, but. Yeah, no, I sort of managed to pick up driving and stuff pretty quickly, all the manoeuvres and stuff. It wasn't too bad. One thing I did hate was reversing around the corner, which I don't know if they still do, but I hated that because I'd always curb it. But it is what it is. I think that's something that everyone kind of feels like, what the fuck is going on? And you can't really go wide. They want you to stay close to the curbs, which is really annoying because you're going to hit it if you're close to it. Why can't I just go wide? There's nothing else on the road. Anyway, rant over. Um, so yeah, we're going around, sort of driving around and sort of on these residential streets. And one one day, I was driving down, and um, Tony, my instructor, said, "Right, pull over on the left here. Indicate nice, 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 nice and close to the edge and all that stuff. Uh, indicated handbrake on, engine off, blah blah blah." And then I thought, right, he's going to give me some feedback on how I did. How wrong was I? No, he didn't give me any feedback. What he said to me was, we pulled up outside this house and um, he goes to me, do you know who lives here? I said, no, it's sort of far out from where I live, so no, I don't. And I was like, they fuck each other. I was like, what? Yeah, they're all inbreds. I was like, how do you know that? Why are you telling me this? Like, yeah, they're, 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 they're like a long distant friend or relative of his and they're like, you know, they, they, they all fuck each other and they're all inbreds. Oh, he's like going off on one. I was like, why are you? We're in the middle of my driving lesson. And you're going on about some random family that I've never met, seen, known, heard of, nothing. It doesn't involve me, include me. I don't need to know them. Why? I just want to learn how to drive, dude. And yeah, he just pulled me out. He pulled me up outside this incest house to tell me all about it. I'm like, what is going on? think he might have had something on that day you know but uh, yeah that was one of the strangest moments and one of the moments that i'll never forget throughout the whole time i was learning how to drive that is the moment that stuck with me absolutely bizarre absolutely bizarre but um 
Yeah, no, I, yeah, after a good few lessons, um, Tony said, I'm ready to book my test. And I did so, yeah, I booked it in. On the driving test, I was nervous, obviously. Like I said, I don't like assessments or exams or anything, so I was a bit nervous. And someone had told me that if you stall on your driving test, it's an instant fail. I don't know who said it to me, but I believe that all the way through. And there was one point, hot about 10 minutes through the, into the driving test, where I stalled. And I was like, shit, that's it. Game over. I've, I've failed my test. And the rest of the test, I was just like driving like an absolute twat because you know, that's just how I drive anyway. But yeah, I just didn't care because I thought I'd failed. So I didn't want to impress the instructor anymore because I thought I'd failed anyway. So there's no point in me putting in 100% when I know I wasn't going to get the marks to pass. But anyway, we got back to the... Um, driving assessment center and the assessor turns around to me and goes congratulations you've passed and i look at him i go really you sure <laughs> he's just and he had, you know what i don't like about these assessors is they have the best poker face so you never know whether they're you're doing well or doing bad That's how they've been trained to do these things but absolutely hate it but when he said it i was like bloody hell Passed, so that was great. And then came back, told Tony, and he was like, "Yeah, I knew you'd do it." Yeah, I, did, I didn't think I did it, mate. But yeah, geez, that was good. And then I got ready to jump in the driver's seat to drive back home. He's like, "Whoa, we don't let people who've just passed uh, drive home." I was like, "What? I've got my license now. I can drive. Like, what the hell? Let me drive." But you wouldn't let me drive home. Yeah, no. Got got home. Told my parents they were over the moon. I was like, "Right, need a car now." So my family weren't exactly the wealthiest of people. Mum and dad worked really hard to make a living, earn a living. And yeah, there wasn't any spare or disposable income to sort of go out and buy me a car, even secondhand or anything. You know, they were literally earning enough to keep their bills paid, roof over our head, a meal on the table and, you know, a little bit of flex. But there's nothing that, you know, suggests you go out and splash out on a car straight away. We weren't, we weren't sort of rolling in it or anything. And I'm not ashamed to say that. Even though people think that we had enough money, and well, we, people thought we had a lot of money. I don't know why. But no, my parents have worked hard for the money they have. And everything that they have and they've done, they've built up, they've worked hard for it. It's their hard-earned money. And one thing that I love about my parents is they've, they've always taught me to work hard and earn your money you're not going to get it handed to you on a silver platter. And despite people's perceptions of me, I've never had it handed to me on a silver platter. I've earned my money. You know, I've gone out and started working. I've gone out and done jobs. I've even done jobs where I wasn't paid you know, minimum wage. I was paid lower than minimum wage just so that I could pay my way. I didn't rely on my parents all the time to give me money to, to do anything I wanted, really. I've, I've, I've earned and whatever I haven't, I'm one of those people that works hard, also plays hard, right? And whatever you see that I have today, I've worked hard for it. And I'm, I'm one to sort of spend on something that will bring me pleasure. And I don't like saving. That's my problem, right? My parents hate me for it because I never save any money. I'm a real spenderholic. And... You know, it, it's it's something that really annoys me when people say that I've been handed everything on a silver platter when it's not true. So, yeah, I know just, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but yeah, you know, I really appreciate my mum and dad for everything they've earned and everything they've given me, provided me with. And I'm grateful that I can now return the favour to them, that I'm in a position now to be able to support them because they've supported me all this time. Now it's my turn to help them out. And I can't be more grateful to be able to be in a position to do that. So, yeah, that's just a bit of a side note. But everyone remembers their first car. It's, it's, it's almost like remembering your first kiss or something. And, you know, this, this wasn't my car. I didn't own it. I didn't, you know, it wasn't my name on the V5 or whatever, whatever the document's called. This was actually my dad's car. And this is one of, I think, dad's car history. Is, is pretty vague because um, he hasn't had that many cars. Like I said, money was tight. So, you know, we didn't have a lot of disposable income to splash out on a lot of things. So I think when he came to the country, he bought a car. I think he was one of the first in the family to buy a car, to be fair. I think my uncle might have bought one, but 
think dad was one of the first as well so i think his first car was a volkswagen beetle a gold volkswagen beetle which i think it, it was probably his favorite car if i remember right but uh, I, might, I might be wrong i might be wrong but uh, yeah he did mention that a few times that he had a gold volkswagen beetle one of the original ones obviously not the ugly ones now that are running around with the daisies or whatever they are in the in the, in the, in the dashboard no offense to anyone who has got a volkswagen beetle they are i'm sure they are good cars um <laughs> yeah so volkswagen beetle and then he went and bought a nissan cherry and i think this was a b reg nissan cherry sky blue so uh similar color to the car that i learned how to drive in sky blue two-door and this this nissan cherry he named basanti now for those of you who don't know what basanti is it is the name of a horse in a bollywood film called shole now if you've not seen the movie or heard of it i recommend you go see it it's available online so you should be able to find it just do a quick youtube search but uh, watch the movie you understand why dad called it basanti so anyway, this Basanti, dad drove everywhere. I think the car had hit about 70, 80,000 miles by the time we got rid of it. And dad used to do airport runs. I mean, given this was a Nissan Cherry, tiny, tiny car, he used to fill it with about, I don't know, nine, 10, 12 suitcases and passengers on top of that. Yeah, the, the car really proved its worth. And I think, to be fair, I think that was probably dad's favorite car, thinking about it now, because it, it, it served him well so yeah no he, he he had that for a long time very long time and um after that i think you know from a b reg you've you know i don't know what year that was but it served us well and um i think it was time to 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 buy a new car and i think dad had saved up enough that he was in a position to be able to afford a sort of reasonably priced car family car that he could drive around everywhere so after Basanti, he went out and looked at buying a few different cars, but in the end, I think he decided on a Hyundai Accent. It was a teal coloured Hyundai Accent. It was like teal, blue, greeny blue. You know, this was one of the newer cars and it, it, yeah, it was one of, one of the newer models. So dad bought it from new. So, was, you know, the first registration was in his name and stuff like that. Uh, it was an R-Reg vehicle. And, yeah, it, it wasn't anything special. It was a basic model. I think Dad chose the colour. And, yeah, yeah, we bought it home. We're like, wow, Dad's actually bought a new car. I like, wow. And I remember the gear, gearbox used to click. Or clunk, rather. <laughs> Every time we changed gears, it was really shabby. It wasn't the best of cars. But, like I said, my parents couldn't afford luxury stuff at the time. So... You know, it was the, the best we could get for the money we had. But, you know, for dad, it was, it does the job. It's got four wheels, gets you from A to B, job done. Now, the thing I remember is after sort of, obviously I was too young when dad bought the car, but after I'd passed, dad would uh, let me drive the car here and there, just, just sort of locally. And sort of finally got me insured on it and then I could drive it properly and take it wherever. But uh, yeah, that was, that was the first car I drove after passing my driving test and it was it was quite an experience because like i said the gears would stick and the car was yeah it, like i said it didn't have any frills like there was no airbags in the car for god's sake so yeah that was, that was concerning if i did crash i was a bit of concern but um the one thing i remember was i was going to oxford university for a taste today i'm sure i've mentioned this before in one of my podcasts and i drove it was me and me and my friends we drove from london to oxford and this was probably the first time I'd driven on a, on a motorway after formally passing my test. And fun fact for you, I've, I've actually done a pass plus. So the pass plus, you get a UK driving license and then they teach you how to drive in various other conditions. So they do motorway driving, nighttime driving, bad weather driving um, and some other stuff. I, but yeah, it was, it was probably worth doing because I think it does bring down my insurance premium a little bit. But um, yeah, it was definitely worth doing that. So if that is still a thing and um, it's an option, I'd recommend you do it. So if you're learning to drive, look out for Pass Plus. But yeah, no, back to back to Oxford. So we're driving down the M40. We're going to Oxford and um, just started driving. And I'm like, sticking to the speed limit, 70 and stuff. And I'm like, right, I'm going to see what this car can do. And I want to drive at 80, you know, because I'm a bit of a rebel. So got into the middle lane and um, put my foot down and 
this wasn't the most powerful car. It was a 1.3 liter engine, so it didn't have much power in it. Got three passengers in the car. It's not going to pick up speed well. But you know, anyway, regardless, put my foot down. We're in the middle lane, fifth gear. I'm like, let's go. And we're slowly, slowly picking up speed. 72, 73, 75, 77. Just hitting 80. And the whole car is like shaking. I'm getting a back massage for free. Like people pay for this sort of experience, right? I'm getting a back massage. Steering wheel's going all over the place. The seats are we're all like, <laughs> 80, 81. That's it. I can't do no more because the car's going to break. And <laughs> I think I had to call it at about 81. While and out. Now the good, interesting thing about this car was it didn't have a rev meter or anything, so I couldn't tell how high the revs were or anything. And I was in top gear, I was fifth five gears it had, so fifth gear, put my foot down, eighty-one and the whole car shaking up like can't 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 go racing in this. <laughs> but um yeah, that, that was that was a fun experience in that car. And then one thing I remember was the car had um it didn't have a CD player or anything, so it had a tape player, a cassette player, and to, to sort of connect into my iPod at the time, uh, this is before iPhones came out, so uh, iPod, I had to buy this adapter. So it's like a cassette tape with a wire sticking out of it, which you plug into your auxiliary, your headphone jack, and that would be how you'd listen to your own music through the car, which is really, and this, the stereo on this car was atrocious. Like you couldn't get any decent radio stations. The speakers were pretty shot. Yeah, it wasn't the best car, but. It served us well. It served us well. One day I was looking online and I saw, I was, yeah, like I do, I was looking at cars that I can't afford and stuff like that. It's just something I do in my free time. <laughs> so one day I was just looking on um, Mercedes Direct where they sold sort of secondhand Mercedes or old ex uh, demo models and stuff like that. So you get a decent car with low mileage for a fraction of the price of a brand new one. You know how they say love at first sight? I saw this one model and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to buy it. Let me at least go test drive it. They're not going to say no to test drive it, are they? So I, booked it, I said to my dad, look, we're not going to buy it, but let's, let's go take it for a drive. Let's see. It's a nice car. looks good. Price is way above what we can afford, but I want to see how it feels to drive a Mercedes. Like something I might never get to do. So I goes, okay, fine. Book it in. We'll go take a look at it. So <laughs> I booked a test drive in. It was me, my dad and my uncle. We went to test drive this car. Now this um, dealership was just off the North Circular by, uh, I want to say Park Royal, between Wembley and Park Royal. Uh, you might have seen it, it's just on the side. I think it's now a kazoo dealership. But um, yeah, so we, we rocked up there and um, sort of said, right, here's see this car and just wanted to sort of have a look. So walking around, we saw the car that I saw online and. I started looking at it and dad and my uncle were talking to the salesman and stuff and just, just like, like we used to do when I was a kid dad would just keep him busy while I look at cars and stuff like that but um, yeah so like I said it was love at first sight I, I saw this car it was a Mercedes C180 AMG line and it was grey it had AMG body kit it looked absolutely amazing and and yeah, it was just love at first sight. I fell in love with this car. There's no other way to say it. I fell in love with this car. And, you know, was, we said we wanted, we've got a test drive booked in and so it was in my dad's name because I didn't want to put it in my name. And um, the salesman goes, right, do you want to test drive it? And because this dealership comes straight out onto North Circular, the dealer goes, I'll drive you to a sort of quieter location because coming out of this junction is mental. And then you can take over. So we're like, okay, fine. So we'll bundle into the car. Dad's in front, me and I'll go in back, and the salesman's driving us to this quieter location so we can test drive it. So pull out, off, off we go. He's telling us about the car and stuff and what it's got. And get to this 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 quieter location. It's like a little industrial estate. Pull over and the salesman goes to my dad, right, you can test drive it now, take over and uh, see how it feels. And dad tells the salesman, oh. Let my son drive it. I don't want to drive. Let him drive. And I was like, what? I'm, Dad, this is like a 30,000, pounds Mercedes. I'm not going to drive this. I've only just had my license less than a year. You know, I, I don't feel comfortable. He's like, God, just drive it. All right, fine. Um, and the salesman's like, all right, this guy's going to fucking crash the car. And I'm like, mate, you and me thinking it could well fucking happen. But um, 
yeah, so I took, took it for a little spin around the block and yeah, it's like, wow, that, you've driven a Mercedes, it feels, it feels luxury, like, wow, this is like, nice and smooth and, you know, the gears don't clunk when you change it and when you speed up, the seats don't vibrate and stuff, it was just, oh, it was bliss to drive. And then we sort of come back to the um, to the to the showroom, park it up, and then, uh, you know, I was already in love just looking at it. After driving it, I was just beside. So yeah, I was gone. I was completely gone. So yeah, anyway, park up, and Dad's talking to the salesman, and I'm still looking at the car, and I looked upset. And Surugaka comes over, and uh, my uncle comes over, and he he goes he goes, what's wrong? And I said. I'm in love with this car. I really, 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 really like it, but we can't get it. Like, there's no way we can afford it. And he sort of went off to talk to my dad. And I don't know what he said to my dad. And to this day, I still don't know what he said to my dad, which really annoys me because I really want to know. But he convinced my dad to buy the car. I was like, how the hell have you convinced my dad to buy this car? Like, this car is probably four times the cost of his Hyundai when he bought it. Like, it's no way near affordable. And dad, at this point, had just retired. I really didn't want him to put his retirement money in a car. And at least not for me, anyway. Um, and then obviously, I'd saved up a bit. But, you know, again, that's a lot of money to put towards a car. Like, you can't do it. But, yeah, dad just... I, I, he just started talking to the salesman and you know, he negotiated, negotiated, negotiated. I think we were there for about four, four and a half hours just negotiating the price down. And then dad finally, I think dad can actually knock off a good 15 grand off the asking price. I still, he is, he is good at negotiating. I need him negotiating when I do my property deals because he literally wouldn't budge until that salesman came down to the level he wanted. Like, Bloody hell. But yeah, we, we ended up signing up to buy this car like wow so i put the deposit through um on my card and stuff and got everything done and and yeah we, we walked out with the paperwork and we went back home and we went we told mum we bought a car and she she just wouldn't believe it like, no, are you kidding you wouldn't buy a car how much is it we said x amount like, you you're joking and yeah she just wouldn't believe it until we got the car until we collected the car bought it home she didn't believe that we'd actually bought a car for that much as well which was for mum that's a heart attack because you know she knew we didn't have that sort of disposable income to to waste not waste but spend on luxury items and we'd gone and sort of spent thousands on a on a luxury car and that too because i fell in love with it it's like oh shit and you know what truth be told i felt really shit because in ordinary circumstances we wouldn't have bought the car I think it's probably the first luxury item that my family have bought. And, you know, it was a treat, not just for myself, but for dad as well, because it meant that he could sort of be driven to places in a luxury car and he wouldn't have to worry about driving. I'd drive everywhere and he could just relax. He's been driving me around all these years. He's been driving mum around all these years. And now he can actually relax and just enjoy just being sat there at the back, you know, just relax at the front, wherever he wanted to sit. It's his car. He's paid for it. It, it, it was it was a treat, not just for me, but for dad as well. And he, yeah, he's, he's always loved Mercedes. And <laughs> funny thing about dad is he doesn't say Mercedes. He calls it Mercedes. I don't know why, but he always says Mercedes, which always makes me laugh, which always makes me laugh. But uh, it's just this little thing he does. It's, it's cute. It's cute. And I love him for it. But yeah, we came home with a Merc and mum would not sit in the car. She she had her face on for a good two weeks. She wouldn't talk to me. She wouldn't sit in the car. She wouldn't engage in any car talk or even look at the car. She she basically disowned the car for a good two, two, three weeks when we got it, which yeah it was it was it was weird it was weird but then she came around and took her for a drive in it and she was like oh, it's a nice car I was like yeah thanks mum <laughs> but uh, and this is a sort of tradition that mum has now any new car that i get she, she 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 has a bit of a moan up to start with she doesn't like it she doesn't agree with it but then when she sits in it she's like oh this is nice isn't it oh it's a nice car like, yeah <laughs> 
Oh, mums, what are they like? It, um, yeah, no, I had, to, I had the car for a while and then started having a few problems. And then one thing I really hated was sat on, being sat on the M25 for a good two hours in standstill traffic. The, the Merc was a manual. Um, so, you know, every, crawling every two seconds and clutch control in, in traffic for two hours a day, you know, there and back, two hours there, two hours back, four hours a day, I'll be sat there riding the bloody clutch. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is not good. So, you know, so after think, about five years of owning the car, um, we decided to look for another one. I visited the Paris Motor Show with my dad one year and i'd been looking at new cars to buy because the mercedes was causing a few problems and there's a lot of repairs that needed doing and you know i'd saved up enough money from working that i could afford to buy my own car or lease my own car so i was actively looking for a new car and i'd seen this car at paris motor show at the bmw stand and it was the new BMW X4. Now, I'd always liked these X6s that used to be driving around when they first came out. They're like, wow, this is a huge 4x4. They look like a beast and like a tank. And it's great. But yeah, I, they were way out of my range to buy. I'm never going to be able to afford one of those. And then this X4 was revealed at the Paris Motor Show. And I was like, whoa. It was a fall in love moment again. And yeah, it was just amazing like, I, I loved the car i loved the shape it was like a baby version of an x6 it was a bit more affordable and you know i was working i had a sort of my first proper job where i was earning a decent amount now i was earning a salary as opposed to working for minimum wage and all that stuff so i had a bit of money saved up as well now so i could actually go out and buy my own car in my own name so it was great so i knew what car i wanted because i saw saw it at the uh motor show in paris so i went online spec'd up the car that I wanted and booked an appointment with a dealer at BMW in Chiswick and basically went in and ordered the car. It was a nice smooth process because I knew what my affordability was, I knew how much to pay a month, I knew what my deposit was, nice smooth sailing, I knew what model it was, I knew what spec it was, because literally went in with everything written down on paper, so this is what I want. Um, and I obviously did a test drive and everything and it was absolutely amazing. So. Order gets processed, all the payments and stuff are agreed. It's on a PCP and it's great because I can afford this car. It's my own car. Everything's going so, so well. It's too good to be true. And the day came to collect my car. It was a bit of a delay because I think the car was sat in Southampton docks for about 10 days because there was something wrong with the paperwork, which is out of my control. But at least BMW will keep me updated about what's happening. I said, I can drive down to Southampton and pick it up. I don't mind going there and picking it up. I don't need it to be driven to Chiswick just so I can drive it home. I will go there and pick it up if it speeds it up. And one thing that <laughs> really annoyed me was, so I hadn't told my uncle that I'd ordered this car. I wanted to surprise him and say, look, I've bought a new car. It's with my own money. It's my first car. You're going to love it. And he absolutely would have loved it if he'd seen it. Uh, so I hadn't told him. I hadn't told him. And unfortunately, my uncle passed away, which I've spoken about in a previous podcast. He passed away just a week before the car was going to be delivered, which was absolutely gut-wrenching for me because I really wanted to surprise him. And I knew he would be ecstatic with sort of seeing that I've progressed, I've got a job, I've got my own car, my own money. He would have loved it. Like He would have been so proud of me. And, you know, that's one of my regrets to this day that I wasn't able to show him. That I've gone out and bought my own car so and you know I know wherever he is he's seen it and he can look down on me and stuff and he can see how far I've come now and what I'm doing now but you know at that moment that was sort of my bit to him to say look thank you so much for sort of helping out with getting the Mercedes I've now got managed to sort of go one further and get my own BMW in my own name but annoyingly the delay meant that my uncle passed away before even seeing the car but anyway we, we went to collect the car me and my dad and you know they do this grand reveal you've got your name on a little uh, a4 sheet at the entrance say welcome congratulations new car blah 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 it's like a red carpet entrance and all that stuff and then cars covered and it's, it makes you feel really good it's, it's an experience and you sort of rock up in there and um 
they walk you to your car and then the salesman unveils the car and it's like wow it's exactly how i pictured it it's how i spec'd it up and how it looked online and it looks amazing the wheels are shiny everything's shiny everything's clean and new and you know it's it's uh, it, it's my car and um he goes what do you think i guess amazing great let's jump inside i'll show you everything we'll, we'll, we'll sort everything out and you know have, have a look inside so I jump in the car and i look at the center console and what do i see well you know how i said that i was fed up of having to change gears on the m25 for two hours a day every day so i wanted to shift from a manual car to an automatic and i'd also test driven an automatic car spec'd up an automatic car based on what i'd sort of given the, the salesman at the time when i ordered the car they made the wrong car they made a manual transmission everything else was perfect just how i wanted it the only thing was this had three pedals instead of two and it had a flipping manual gearbox now it was a six-speed manual so i was still getting up in the world but it's the wrong fucking transmission like why would i want to go from manual to auto i mean yeah manual to another manual and i've been telling you about all my problems about sitting on the m25 and you know, during the test drive i explained why i'm changing from manual to auto he, he still ordered me a fucking manual car and <laughs> i just go to him it's the wrong car he goes what it's the wrong car he goes what do you mean i go it's the wrong fucking transmission and he goes no 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 it's, it's, it's the right one uh, as per the specification and he's sort of you know i'm going off on one because it's they've built me the wrong fucking car and he's just like nah no nah, i can't make a mistake yeah so i go all right well go get the spec and i'll let's see and he must have put the wrong code in because when you spec up the car at bmw or any any dealership they have all these codes it's like a527 or f986 and it's all codes for different things and I'm like, well i don't understand any of these fucking codes i knew and i test drive an automatic i spec'd up online the exact car i wanted with automatic transmission two liter of diesel engine great blah 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 blah. tires wheels whatever i gave it to you you put it into your computer you've built me the fucking wrong car and i think at this point no one knew what to do because this was a bizarre situation to be in and it's not something that either of us had sort of encountered before and i'm just i'm 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 about to cry i'm not even gonna lie i was about to cry i didn't know what the hell to do so they took us back into the showroom and sort of sat us down. He went to talk to the um, showroom manager and stuff. And then, well, I'm not accepting this car. I can't take it home because it's the wrong car. It's not what I've ordered. And I've spent tens of thousands of pounds on a car, which isn't what I've ordered. I can't justify parting with tens of thousands of pounds with something that is wrong and not what I ordered. That doesn't make sense. So. I, I basically called up one of my friends who's who's a lawyer and I said, look, this is the situation, what the hell can I do? And he sort of said some sort of law that I could quote them and stuff. And I started saying it to the salesman. I was like, listen, I'm going to see you guys because you built me the wrong car. If you're saying to me that I signed the documents and I'm in the wrong, that's not on because you've built me the wrong car. So you need to sort it out. It's not my problem. It's your problem. I need a new car. And at this point, I was in the process of selling the Mercedes as well. So I would have had no car to drive. I wouldn't have been able to go to work and stuff like that. So it was like, what the hell can we do? <laughs> so I think what they did was I said, I said, I don't have a car. I have to go to work tomorrow. How the fuck am I going to go to work? Blah, blah, blah. And I was just going off on one big time. So they gave me a courtesy car to drive. I think it was a BMW X1 which was an automatic <laughs> they gave me that to drive and said look take this we'll, we'll sort out insurance and everything for you take it for the time being while we sort out what to do with your car and we'll be in touch I was like, right fine whatever the guy <laughs> they rock up with an x1 and i'm like this isn't my car is everyone everyone's like is that your new car I said, no not that there's again not that there's anything wrong with x1s but it wasn't the car that i ordered and it wasn't my new car it was a loan car from bmw while they sorted out the issues with my car that i'd actually ordered so yeah a few days go by i'm still driving this x1 and the annoying thing with this x1 was the number plate was i don't know what it was something something 14 oap made me look like a fucking old age pensioner uh, <laughs> 
Same for us. Oh, that's a funky number. No, it's not my fucking car. Um, so yeah, I was really sour and bitter about that incident. But uh, in the end, they sort of called us back in, and um, they 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 said, right, we'll we'll build you a new car, but you're gonna have to pay us more. I said, no, it's your mistake. You sort it out. I'm paying what I've agreed to pay because that's all I can afford. You owe me a car. Or give me my money back and I'll go buy another car. And they're like, we can't do that. We can't do that. In the end, they, they forked up and said, oh, you know, out of, uh, as a gesture of goodwill, we'll, we'll fork out the different. Well, it's not a gesture of goodwill. It's your fucking mistake. So don't give me that bollocks. So anyway, they said, right, it will take a good few months for the new car to be built. It's about three to six months uh, lead time for the car. So I said, well, what do I do? in the meantime and said well take this manual one that we've built you the manual x4 that we've built you use it for six months and then we'll swap it when the new car arrives uh, okay well that sounds fair can't get any fairer than that so, <laughs> we took the manual one and to be fair the manual one was good it wasn't a bad car like i said everything else was as expected as i wanted it it, it was just the wrong transmission so for about three four five maybe six months i drove that manual car around until they actually got the proper inverted commas car that i'd ordered built sent into the uk and to the dealership and then we went to collect it and um i think you know when we went in to collect it i think everyone at that bmw showroom knew who me and my dad were because we'd gone in so many times shouting and ranting to get them to sort everything out so we almost became famous at bmw chiswick which is which is great but um yeah so anyway this 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 new new car arrives the automatic one it's perfect it's exactly what i wanted it just got delayed again about six months because they built me the wrong fucking car but um yeah no yeah it was great because it was my car my own money my own car even got a private plate to go on it because that's just the way i am hey hey and you know this car was great because it had a lot of cool things in it so I could watch TV in the car. So every time the car stops, TV would come on, which is really cool. So if I'm stuck in traffic, I just stick a movie on or watch TV in the car. So I'll be sat there on the M25 just watching movies, which is great. And the other cool thing was this car had heads up display. Now, if you don't know what heads up display is, you're missing out because this is something that is so cool and so useful for drivers, but passengers don't really see it or know what the hell I'm on about. And this was really early on when sort of heads up display was a thing. Everyone was like, what are you looking at? So I'm looking at the heads up display. Like, what? There's nothing on the road. I said, yeah, you can't see it. It's in my peripheral vision. That's the cool thing about it. And no one would believe me. So I'd have to sort of pull over, get people to sit in the driver's seat and then look, say, look, I can see where I'm going, what speed I'm doing, where the sat is telling me to go. It tells me everything I need to see on the road. I don't need to look down at the speed on me or anything, uh, which is really cool. And like I said, I, I, I had this car on a lease, so I, I'd put down limited mileage. And now, being a surveyor, I had to travel all around the country, traveling to visit sites and do inspections and stuff. And I was racking up the miles. I was doing about a thousand miles a week at one point. And I, I didn't think I would do that many miles when I got the car. So, yeah, I was, I was really eating into my PCP allowance in terms of mileage and stuff. Yeah, it was, it was, I was going to have to pay some money towards excess mileage because work was just getting a bit manic and I had to really do serious mileage to, to cover the, cover the country. And as part of that, I was sort of driving down the M1. I was actually on my way back down from a site to visit my parents and I was about to go on holiday. I think I was going on holiday the next day or the day after, something like that. And I had all my sort of holiday gear, my suitcases and everything in the car, in the boot and driving down the m1 and you know sticking to the speed limit stick on cruise control 72 miles an hour yes 72 and i was just cruising along and i was in the middle lane and traffic was building up so i thought let me go into the slow lane this is the first time i drove on the slow lane i, I rarely drive in the slow lane usually middle lane not middle lane wanker yeah don't 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 don't, don't hog the middle lane i get out of the way when it's clear but Usually I'm in the middle lane overtaking everyone. So I was in the middle lane and then that was sort of going slow. So I started moving into the slow lane and me being me, I was a bit, let's say, distracted with the song that was on in the car. I can't remember what song it was now, but I was singing, dancing, everything 
in the car on the M1 and I didn't notice the van in front of me slam his brakes on and I wasn't speeding but cruise control was on it was at constant speed and he suddenly slammed his brakes and I had no chance of stopping and went into the back of him went into the back of him and subsequently had a knock-on effect and whacked another five cars in front and yeah that was not good I well i immediately knew i was going to stop in time so i started to brace airbags went off the smoke everywhere huge crash huge crunch you could hear the metal crunching away as 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 as, as the impacts happened uh there's a flash and the, when the when the airbag comes out i'm like whoa i don't know what's going on and it's all smoky because obviously the, the 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 steering cover blows off and the airbag comes out and stuff so there's some sort of burning smell sort of smoke everywhere and i was like Whoa, what's going on? And out of nowhere, I hear a voice. And it just goes, Mr. Dasani, are you okay? I'm like, God, is that you? Why are you calling me Mr. Dasani? <laughs> huh? What? And there's a voice coming out of the car, really. Uh, Mr. Dasani, I'm from BMW uh, Accident Management Service. Are you okay? Have you been in a crash? And I'm like, yeah, I've crashed. I was pretty gone because still a bit. Yeah, it's sort of literally a second after I've crashed. So I'm still about what the fuck's going on. I was like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I think so. Is anyone injured? I said, I don't know. I, I think I'm okay, but I've hit a few cars. I don't know if they're okay. He was like, right, well, can you get out of the car? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, we've arranged for some help. We've arranged for the police and ambulance and you know, all that stuff to come down. I'm going to stay on the line. Just make sure that no one else is injured or anything or needs any further help. And, and I'll stay on the line until you do that. So I stumble out of the car and look and I'm like, shit. There's a load of cars just sort of stood there. My car's just squished. And yeah, it was not a good experience. Police come down. I don't think we needed paramedics in the end because I don't think anyone was really injured. I think I had a bloody nose and whacked my leg a bit. And I think the adrenaline was still going. So I didn't feel the pain or anything while I was there. The van that I crashed into, the driver jumped out. He was fine. I think the van took the brunt of the impact. And he was—he just started smoking a spliff on the side of, on the hard shoulder. He's just smoking a spliff, and all the other cars—they were fine. I don't think the cars were injured. I don't think the people were injured. They just drove off. So I think it was just me and the van driver. Um, and I was the worst one out of the lot. So <laughs> the car and me. So yeah, the van eventually—you know—after we exchanged insurance details and stuff, he drove off. He was fine. He was doped up, and off he went. Um, and there's me stood on the um, hard shoulder, just just with me and my car. Once I'd been towed off the road and sort of stuck on the hard shoulder because the car wouldn't move. It was just absolutely written off. So uh, I had to wait for recovery. It was about three hours until recovery came, which is absolutely ridiculous. And <laughs> um, it, it, the annoying thing was, and the most embarrassing thing was, I was wearing a Homer Simpson T-shirt, which had dough written all over it. And there's me stood on the hard shoulder behind the barrier with a crashed up X4 with Homer Simpson and Doe written all over. Absolutely epic, epic scene. Yeah, I, I, I hated it. I hated it. But yeah, recovery finally came, dropped me off to some random petrol state, uh, service station. I had to call my mates to come pick me up. They wouldn't even drop me home. I was like, whoa, yeah, where have you left me? I was in the middle of somewhere just outside of Watford, I think. In the end, I had to call my mate to come pick me up. It was absolutely bizarre, but yeah, that's another day I will never forget in my life. That was absolutely bizarre. That was the first crash I've had as well. It was a massive crash, but yeah, it was the first time I've sort of properly crashed. I, mean, I had a few scrapes and stuff, but that was my own fault. And it was against sort of bollards and balls and stuff, and nothing, never impacting another vehicle or other drivers. So this was definitely an experience for me um, and not one that I'd want to be in again. At the same time as having the crash, I was also starting a new job. And luckily, this new job was offering a company car. Now, I've never had a chance to have a company car before. No, that's a lie. I did have a chance. I just didn't take it because I just bought BMU, my X4. So, yeah, I've never taken a company car. But after the crash, obviously, my insurance went sky high and I had no choice but to take a company car because I simply couldn't afford to pay insurance. 
I started this new job and uh, you know, like, my car was an absolute write-off and I had a right kerfuffle with the insurance company because they were not agreeing to pay out for the car and I was like, whoa, I have a lot of outstanding finance on the car. I can't afford to pay that out of my pocket. I don't have that sort of money. No one's going to give me a loan. I was literally thinking I have to sell my house in order to pay this finance off on my car. I was like, wow, super stressed, super stressed. And this is all whilst I was on holiday as well, which is really annoying. But luckily, the insurance company did finally pay out and everything worked out well. They paid the finance, they paid the claim and everything. But obviously, my insurance premium shot right up. So new job, new car. And it was a company car. So the company car list didn't have great options on it, to be fair. It was a Volkswagen Golf, Corsair and basic hot hatches. And like I said, if you know me, you know I like my cars. So I started looking on the storage list of pool cars. So this is sort of cars that they have in stock within the company. And if you get a car off there, you're allowed to get a car, which is sort of a grade or two grades higher than your allowance. So at my grade, it was either a Golf or a Corsa or Audi A3 hot hatch. But with this pool car, there was quite a few different ones available. So I sort of stuck it out and sort of kept looking at the pool car every month, which changes every month. And luckily, I managed to see on the list a Jaguar XF 2-litre diesel, which was absolutely amazing. You know, I've never driven a Jaguar. I never thought I'd have a Jaguar. It's, you know, I always thought it was an old man's car. But hey, if you're getting a free Jag, you're not going to say no, are you? So um, ended up ordering that. But um, whilst I was waiting to get that vehicle, um, I think there's a few issues with it, so they had to sort of repair it and maintain it and all that stuff before they could deliver it to me. So they kept pushing the delivery date, and I, like I said, I didn't have a car. Mine was written off. So um, I think I started off driving a Vauxhall Corsa. So that was the sort of higher car that I was given. So it was a manual Vauxhall Corsa, probably a 1.2, 1.3 litre engine, probably. Um, I loved it. It was great. It had every, it had a heated steering wheel. Which was great. I've never had a heated steering wheel, not even a beam. Heated seats, heated steering, it had everything in it, which was great. So I really liked that car. So I had that for a while. I also had a automatic Volkswagen Golf DSG, and that was that was great. I really liked that. That was uh, I think that was probably a two-liter engine and really zippy and nippy and proper little hot hatch. I loved it. I loved it. If I didn't see anything on the on the storage list that I liked, I was gonna order a new golf and it would have been brand new factory order. So I could have spec'd it up how I wanted and it was great. But uh, no, found 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 the Jaguar and got that ordered in. Like, like I said, I sort of like to name my cars, sort of follow the tradition on from dad. Um, so obviously he had Basanti and then the Mercedes I decided to call Merxy. Yeah, very original. Um, the X4, BMW X4, that was called Bimu. Now, why Bimu, you say? Well, because she was a bit of a cow at times. So yeah, I thought Bimu was very fitting. And then obviously got the Jag. So Jag, I thought, you know what? It's got to be Jagdish. It's, I've got to stick some sort of Indian tradition on this car. So Jagdish the Jaguar was what he was called. Black Jag, two litre diesel again. Uh, it was great because it was a huge car. I felt like driving a tank. It's one of the sort of heaviest cars I've driven, I think. And yeah, you could really feel it when you're going around the corners. Like your whole body rolls with the car. Really weird. But great car, great car. I did like it. And um, one of my favourite trips I've done was in that car. So I did the NC500 with my friends and we drove all across the north coast of Scotland in that car. And it was great. It, it handled well. It was comfortable. It wasn't very fuel efficient, I'll give you that. But um, yeah, great, great car. And, you know, like I said, I travel a lot in my role. So having a comfortable car is a must. And I know it sounds snobbish, but I think having a luxury car a comfortable luxury car definitely helps because you could do a good three, four, five hundred mile trip and not feel tired at all if you have a comfortable car. So, you know, I, I, I strongly believe that you need a comfortable car in the role that if you're field based, you do a lot of driving around, you really do need to invest in a decent car and that's comfortable, that gets you around. So, yeah, that's, that's probably a top tip for me. Uh, yeah, like I said, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the NC500, I remember this one time, the sat-nav took us through this lane. It was absolutely narrow as hell. It's the narrowest lane I've ever driven through. And Jagdish was massive. It's a wide car, long car. Going through this lane, I was like, oh, I, I was literally clenching my ass because it was that tight. And I had my friend Nelson and Akil in the car with me. 
And Nelson's like, I don't know how you're doing this. I would not be able to go through this lane. You are seriously, con- like, I've never seen you concentrate on driving this much. It was insane. It was insane. But yeah, no, the car served me well. Car served me well. And then sort of the lease came to an end. Um, so I had to hand it back. And there was there was a bit of scuffs and all that. Even when I got the car, there was a few scuffs. So I, yeah, everyone said you'd have to pay towards the damage and stuff. I was like, all right, fine. Well, I had a pot of money stashed away just in case they did charge me. I don't know what they were charging me, but I had a, a bit of bit of bit of bit of flexibility. And um, if they did charge me, I would have you know disputed some of it because it wasn't the newest of cars. So there was obviously existing damage, but there were a few scratches and dents and dints and dents and all that stuff. That, that might have been caused by me, which I, I, I would have accepted the cost for that because that's genuine damage to the car that I've caused. So <laughs> the, 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 the car com- the company car representative rocks up and does a full-on inspection of the car. I think he took about an hour, just over an hour, to inspect the car. And he inspected every single nook and cranny. Literally, he was getting down on the ground, sort of looking at it from angles, and every, every single nook and cranny he looked at, every single dent, even if it was tiny, he recorded it, took photos and everything. I was like, well, this is a serious, serious inspection. But hey, I guess it's required. And the guy was good at what he did. I could see he was really thorough. So kudos to him. So yeah, I, I, the car went off and they delivered my new car, which I'll get onto in a minute. But um, yeah, I was really thinking they're really going to whack me with a lot of money and bill me for all this damage. I mean, the guy pointed out damage that I didn't even know that was there. So it was, it was weird, but uh, luckily I never got an invoice, which was great because that meant I had a bit of spare money lying around. So Jagdish went away and guess what? I got a new car, a new company car. And this new car, I persevered because looking through the company car list, there wasn't anything in a pool car list that I liked and the car list that was within my grade there wasn't much there like I said it was sort of golfs and Ford Focuses and Audi A3s and stuff so there wasn't anything wow that really sort of tickled my fancy and I was scrolling through pages and pages and pages at the company car list and there's about page 50 52 or something like that and I saw there was a Mercedes on there and that is really rare to see a Mercedes on because it's it's it feels like it's outside my pay grade but i found it it was there there was a mercedes cla coupe hybrid which was interesting because having a hybrid car was it brings my tax level down so i really wanted to get a hybrid rather than a diesel um, and also it's good for the environment so it, it ticked quite a lot of boxes for me um so i ended up ordering that now this car i ordered sort of in the midst of covid so there was a lot of delays and obviously the whole issue with the microchips being produced and the, the sort of lack of microchips available for cars and stuff and it's still going on at the moment. There is a real severe delay on getting anything that has microchips in it. So I think it was a good nine, ten months before I got the Mercedes. Uh, it just kept getting pushed back and back and back due to COVID and these microchips delays. But you know this mercedes is great it's hybrid like i said so i have the option of running on electric for 36 miles it's not a massive electric range but 36 miles gets me local so i could go and do a weekly shop and not have to use any petrol which is great but when i run out of electric or forget to charge it i could run on petrol so i have the best of both worlds and when there's a petrol shortage i run on the electric obviously 36 miles and i charge up so yeah it's great and then i mean i've never had an electric car before or hybrid but I didn't know how to charge it or anything. And it was just weird sort of when I started. And I think on this topic of electric cars, I think whilst they're great, I think they have been released a bit prematurely. And why do I say that? Well, I think it's because the infrastructure is not ready yet. Now, every time I have to charge my car, luckily I've managed to get a charger put at home. So I've got a home charger um, and it takes about three, four hours to charge my car on a seven kilowatt charger that I've put in. But the charges that you have in sort of car park, supermarket car parks and service stations and stuff like that, you go there and half of them don't work. Like there's about five, six of them in, in a row and only two work, which is annoying because you always see either a Tesla or a Nissan Leaf parked up and they're like, oh, oh. 
you know, I need to charge up because I don't want to use my petrol. And they're like, well, I need to charge up because I can't get home. So it's um, a bit, a bit of a debate. But yeah, I think electric cars, they are probably the way forward. Just a bit premature at the moment. They need to sort out the infrastructure before, you know, sort of going fully electric. Finally, I just want to sort of end on what I think on a personal level is the best car I have driven or come across to date. I don't think any of you will be able to guess what I'm about to say, but it is, in fact, a Dacia or Dacia, how you, however you want to pronounce it, Duster. This is one of the budget range cars, 4x4, which I had the privilege of driving on my trip to Iceland. And I'm not going to lie, I had my doubts when I left the UK to get to Iceland. I said, this car's not going to get us through Iceland. Iceland's got rough terrain. The roads aren't great. We need a proper car. But we stuck with it. Stuck with it. And I kid you not, I don't regret for a second getting that duster. It served us well. It got us through rough terrain, sketchy roads, icy roads. You know, it, it, it drove well. It was comfortable. It had all the mud cons. It had heated steering wheel, heated seats, four wheel drive. It was comfortable. It was spacious. It was a budget vehicle. It was economical, which was great. I don't think we spent much on fuel at all. I think we only filled up once or twice and you know, we were there for a week driving around the whole country and it's like, wow i loved it i absolutely loved that car and i would definitely recommend it to anyone if they're looking for a new car on a budget need something that's practical cheap economical ticks all the boxes it's not hybrid or i don't think they've got a hybrid model yet but you know get a petrol version it's it's not i'm not bad but yeah, that was one of my favourite cars to drive of all time. And you know what? This kind of leads me nicely onto the next episode I want to do on personal reflections, which will be all about holidays, because believe it or not, I'm off on holiday next week. And I'm going to tell you all about it when I come back. So <laughs> um, I might even record a bit while I'm there. I don't know. I'm decided yet, but let's see. Uh, depends if I get signal out there, but I think this is a great place to end now and we will catch up once I'm back from holiday. Cheers guys.